Welcome to this week's episode of Husky Talk. Today we will be interviewing this year's sixth place finisher, Matt Hall. Hi, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Husky Talk. We are very excited to talk to you. Hey, how's it going? Good. The first part of our show, we are going to test your Adira knowledge. We have five Adira trivia questions for you. Ready? Who won the first Adira run? Who won? What's that? Who won the first Adira run? That Rick Mackey? No. Dick Wilmarth? Yes. Who has won the most Adira runs? Uh, that would be Rick Swenson. Yep. Yep. Who founded the Adira? Reddington? Yep, yep. yep. How many dogs can a musher start with this year? This year was 14. Yep. What is the name of the award given to the musher that finishes last? The Red Banner. Good job. Congratulations on getting sixth place this year. We We know how important leadership can be in all sports. What do you think it takes for a dog to be a lead dog? For a dog to be a lead dog? Attitude, um, one of the most strongest things. Um, a dog that is driven to be up front. Uh, most dogs are pack animals. Um, they like being close, uh, not necessarily out front of their fellow companions. Um, so you just need a really driven attitude um, and smart. You got to be very smart. Okay. Talk to us about what inspired you to start mushing. When did I start mushing? What inspired you to start mushing? Well, I grew up mushing, actually. My uh, parents had sled dogs um, when I was about two years old. Um, So I was riding in the sled with hot water bottles keeping me warm, tucked down in a sleeping bag um, since before I could remember. So it was uh, was the, the lifestyle more than the choice, I guess, that's brought me where I'm at today. That's interesting. Since you have done the Yukon Quest and the Dirad, what do you think the biggest difference is between the two? The biggest difference between the two, um, the Yukon Quest is quite a bit more lonely, which isn't necessarily a bad thing by any means. Um, There's only nine checkpoints in the Yukon Quest versus the Iditarod S22. And both being a thousand miles, that means that you are out there on your own um, quite a bit more uh, in the Yukon Quest. Um, So that poses very different running strategies because you have so much more weight in your sled from when you can resupply at checkpoints. So it requires you to camp on the trail more um, in the cold, oftentimes in the cold. Uh, carrying all those resources. So I would say it's your your traveling speeds and the remoteness. That's okay. cool. That's cool. Can you tell us what it's like living a subsistence lifestyle? Subsistence lifestyle? Um, so... You know, that's what I've always always grown up doing, what I'm doing here now. Um, so, you know, it means... Means doing a little bit of farming for your own food, um, you know, hauling your own firewood, hauling your own water, um, you know, off grid. So you either have no power at all, or a little bit of, you know, electricity from a, a generator or some solar panels. 
Um, you know, it's one of those, it's kind of the, the jack of all trade lifestyle, um, which is something I really appreciate. But since you got to be able to do a little bit of everything yourself because you are doing it all yourself, um, you're not blocking in um, somewhere, then paying the plumber or paying the electrician or paying the mechanic or whatnot to then come home and have everything fixed. You know, it's something you do yourself. Now, at the end of the day, it's the, the same amount of work. Um, it's just that that lifestyle choice is, is different. Um, me being a dog musher means I usually get along better with dogs and people. So uh, the persistence lifestyle is quite fitting for me. Okay. Do you enjoy living like this? What about living like this? Do you enjoy living like this? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, growing up in Alaska the way I did, I left the state um, one time when I was uh, uh, 15 um, that I was old enough to really remember uh, anyway, and that was kind of my first experience in what uh, us Alaskans that grew up in the woods call the real world out there, you know, the, the scary streets and tall buildings. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, it just it wasn't, it wasn't for me, you know. I, I came back home, and then that's when I had my first litter of pups when I was 16 years old. Um, and here I am today. No, uh, no in, intention of going anywhere. Yep. Yeah. What would you say were some challenges that you had on the trail this year? Challenges on the trail this year. Um. Well, every every year is a new a new adventure out there. Um, this year. Oh, let's see. I guess uh, challenges this year. Well, in the Yukon Quest, um, they were they redid the start line. Um, we found this out just a little while before the restart, and uh, so it was a slightly different running strategy, which uh, did not go well with um, how I've raced before. So we had to figure out how to essentially rerun the race. Um, since we started and ran 100 miles and then had a little bit of a break due to some dangerous trail conditions. And uh, then we actually trucked dogs for a bit, had a 12-hour layover, and then launched again from there. Uh, it was about 35 below during the start. Um, so it took, it took, it was, it was challenging figuring out a new strategy, um, kind of last minute there when you, you plan for years and then each year individually for how to, uh, how to conquer that, uh, you know, your move in the race at that point, and then it's different. Yeah. Can you talk to us about the trail conditions of the Iditarod this year? Trail conditions out of Iditarod this year. So Iditarod um, was a pretty slow year again this year, uh, quite similar to last year, actually. Um, last year being my first Iditarod. So I have yet to experience what Iditaroders call a fast trail at this point. Um, slow conditions are made from mostly warm weather, um, but also fresh snow. Um, sugary snow, uh, which kind of comes from the trail system not having a very good base, uh, which is related to the time of year that the locals are able to travel um, across the Iditarod Trail um, between their villages and start making that base firm, which helps us out a couple months later. Um, and then also lots of overflow. 
which creates a slush, a sticky kind of a suction on the sleds. Um, you have to stop and, and take care of the dog's feet, dipping booties off and putting booties back on with, with depending on the temperature and those overflow conditions. So the last couple I did arrive of uh, like the winning times um, have been about 36 hours slower um, than, uh, than previous years recently, um, you know, like three years ago with Mitch's record of eight days, three hours, and 40 minutes. We're, uh, we're quite a ways off of that in the last couple of years. So it's, it's actually uh, advantageous, you could say, for a Yukon Quest team having just competed in a 1,000-mile race two weeks prior. We have the endurance and the, the stamina, uh, and the metabolism is rolling, but we don't have as much speed. Um, you know, we're starting the race out a mile an hour slower than some of these other teams are. Um, so a slow trail is something that a, a dog team that is running slower anyway is actually geared towards. Um, so they don't yeah, slow down as much as a 12-mile-an-hour team running in soft snow. They'll slow down to like 7 miles an hour. It's kind of like putting a trailer behind a race car. It's not not built for it. Um, so, yeah, it was very slow, but it was, uh, it was good for our team. Well, that's good in some ways. What were your goals going into the Iditarod this year? My goals going into Iditarod this year? Um, it's, it's hard to say because I, I usually try to not set goals for myself. Um, I like running each race, you know, with the, the mindset of improving, um, being better um, than I was the year before. Um, but it's always... It's always tricky based on the trail to that year. Um, I, I did want top 10 this year. You know, last year as a rookie, uh, we placed 11th place, um, which was very, very well um, and super exciting. Um, so it was also a frustrating number, you know, being one out of the top 10. It was like, oh, come on. Um, so I definitely did want to crack that top 10 this year. So I guess, I guess you know, that would have been my goal in a way. Um, and we did. Uh, finishing six, so that was that was super exciting. Um, but uh, but yeah, just you know, every every time you run a race like the Iguid Rod um, or the Yukon Quest, you know, each year there's there's different dogs in your team. You know, there's some younger dogs in there that you know, a couple dogs each year that that are added into that team. Um, and watching watching them perform um, is kind of a new goal in itself of of getting them to the finish line and seeing uh, uh, how well they've been trained and how well they've performed. And it's uh, it's pretty pretty proud moment as the, as the owner or as the driver to uh, to see that. Great improvement. Congrats. Thank you. What do you do in the off-season? What do I do uh, with now? In the off-season. In the off-season? Um, so... The, uh, the off-season for most mushers um, is actually um, kind of uh, a funny twist for us. It's the, one of the busy seasons. Um, so here on May 1st, so coming up here in just a couple weeks, um, I actually load up uh, all my dogs. So I have 40 dogs. Um, and I truck down to southeast Alaska, uh, and I'll be working out of Juneau um, up on the, uh, the <coughs> excuse me, up on the uh, Mindenhall Glacier, which is part of the Alaska, um, uh, well, the Forest Service land up there. Um, 
and uh, we'll work there for four months, first of May to uh, first of September. And essentially, what we do is there's a lot of cruise ships that pass through Southeast, um, and there's a helicopter company who will bring us up uh, passengers um, and drop them off in camp, uh, which is Alaska Icefield Expeditions, who have been employing me there for uh, uh, this is my 11th summer. Actually, I started work up there when I was 16. Um, so actually the dogs and myself spend the entire summer, uh, in snow, um, harnessing up and going for a run basically every single day. Um, so the only time of year where we don't have snow, um, even as I'm talking to you right now, it is snowing, um, is, uh, is, um, um, September, um, and usually a little bit into October, uh, early fall when we get back from the glacier. Um, so yeah, it's, it's snow for basically 11 months of the year for me. So there's, there's not really any downtime. We talked to someone yesterday who goes to a glacier in the summer with his dogs. So what, uh, what yesterday now? Yeah. Yeah. Linwood Fiedler. Oh, Linwood Fiedler. Yep. Yep, okay, yeah, he is out of Juno as well, actually. First, are you coming back to the Iditarod next year? So, it's too early to know for certain, but as of this point, we are probably going to take a year off from running 1,000-mile races. Uh, we have an incredible dog team right now, but we also have a even more incredible um puppy team coming up and uh, I need to need to take a year to, to work with them um, and running two 1,000 mile races two years in a row now has been a lot on the, the human side of things uh, maintaining our our life and our, our kennel and our business um, and uh, things are starting to fall behind a little bit so as of now next year the goal would be to focus on some mid-distance racing which still requires the same amount of training uh, with your team in the early season, um, but then means your season ends a couple months earlier. Most mid-distance races are, are over by February because that's when Quest starts and then I did a rod afterwards. Um, so essentially we would have February and March next winter um, to kind of capitalize on our business and training our two-year-old race team. Um, so not next year, um, but I will very much be coming back to the Iditarod for every year in the foreseeable future after next year. Okay. Yeah. Outside of mushing, what other hobbies do you have? Outside of mushing, um, well, it usually relates to animals um, of some sort or another. Um, so when you called, actually, I just finished feeding our reindeer um, through the mushing co-op um, part of uh, part of our business here, co-owned with a couple of our neighbors. Uh, we've got three reindeer um, with the goals of starting a, a reindeer farm out of them, which is real exciting. We just got these guys last uh, fall, so there's a lot of time spent um, socializing them. Um, you know, they'll let us uh, get in there and, and pet them and walk around with them. Um, which is which is pretty cool. We have uh, ducks and geese and chickens back uh, back at the house here, a few minute walk away from where I'm at. Um, so just you know, as far as hobbies, I would say the outdoor the outdoor lifestyle. You know, um, if the chores are done, it's, it's time to time to go work with other animals. Time to go hiking. Um, we live real close to the Chena River. It's real fun to go down and walk along the riverbanks. Um, 
and uh, just uh, just the adventure adventure side of things. Um, and uh, I guess gear too. Um, I'm always uh, always real focused on what the next gear is gonna the next gear product is gonna be um, possibly because it would help me during racing, which you know kind of goes together. But it's always fun to have some downtime and be like, oh, look at this new pair of gators. All right, I'm gonna get these and try them out. Um, so adventure. You're kind of like Santa Claus with your reindeer. What about the reindeer? You're kind of like Santa Claus. <laughs> Well, eventually, eventually we might uh, we might get there. Um, that would be that would be fun times with the reindeer for sure. Um, I was thinking this morning actually that uh, that it's probably a lot of people's uh, Christmas dream right now, and I'm I'm still standing next to the reindeer pen as it's snowing and there's about an inch of snow on the ground, and and I got reindeer walking around me here. It's like wow, there's a lot of a lot of people in the world that think this is a pretty special moment, and I get to experience this every every day. Maybe maybe I could play Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> what does the dog mushing mean to you? The dog mushing mean to me. Um, well, it it kind of kind of means peace. Um, I guess a little bit. Um, it's it's the dogs are my family. Um, I've raised. We've only got three dogs in our kennel that we have not raised uh, from a puppy. Um, you know, that means they're inside with us, um, getting raised up from the time they open their eyes. We're right there with them, um, working with them, training them. Um, you know, it was the way I grew up initially, too, there was no there was no competition. Um, you know, like what I do today, it was the dogs were were transportation. They were your companion. They were your hunting buddies. Um, they were just always there, always there with you. Um, so they were they were family. Um, and uh, and then you know I took that that feeling that mindset that love and and tried to uh, put it into proving that my family could be the the fastest family in the world which is why we're we're racing today uh, and building uh you know towards that that goal one day um but uh but yeah I'm just I'm at peace uh when I'm with my team so you know it's happiness yeah the next part of our show we call the lightning round. We have five quick questions for you to answer. Ready? <laughs> okay. Favorite dog? First one, favorite dog. Oof, you're making me pick between them now. Um, okay, uh, anchor. Poker or dog mushing? What, uh, sorry, say that again? Poker or dog mushing? <laughs> poker dog mushing. Um, well, they go hand in hand, right, for me? Um, well, it would have to be dog mushing. Yukon Quest or Iditarod? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Um, okay, well, the Yukon Quest uh, is, is family to me. Growing up with the race, my father's ran it, I've ran it. Um, I've got more history with the Yukon Quest, so as of right now, uh, the Yukon Quest. Okay, that's cool. Favorite song? Oh, favorite song. Man, I don't listen to music too much. Um, um, <laughs> I, don't, I 
actually don't really know the name of an individual song, so I just have to go with uh, country, country music. Okay. Favorite checkpoint? Favorite checkpoint. Okay, well, that's an easy one. Seeing as if I answered that the Yukon Quest was uh, my favorite race, my favorite checkpoint is Eagle. Um, the volunteers are amazing, and most importantly there, um, my mother's the checkpoint manager, and my father is always there to see me through. So when I'm running that race, the Eagle is uh, the place I want to be, is um, quite literally at home during the race. Okay. This final question we ask all of our guests. If you could go on a sled dog trip with anybody, living or dead, who would you choose and why? Um, well, so who I would choose, I guess, at this point would, and I've already done it before, but I want to do it again. I would, that would be my father. Um, and uh, he's actually still out there mushing. Um, but uh, he's what brought me into this, uh, you know, and my mother, of course, so what brought me into this sport. Um, and living where I live now, I don't get to spend too much time with him anymore. Um, so if I could go out on a dog sledding trip right now uh, with somebody, I would, I would pick my dad. That's nice. Thank you, Matt, for talking with us today, and we hope to see you in the Dodrad next year. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope... Hopefully. Thank you very much. You guys have a good one. Special thanks to our guest, Mahal, for being on our show this week. Subscribe to us on iTunes and tune in next week. We would also like to give credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song that I did our trail song. Matt's favorite type of music is country. Enjoy a clip of our favorite country song played again by Luke Bryan.